With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly Rugby World Cup review show. After five weeks, five weekends of thrills and spills, cards and tries, the pool stages came to a frantic and enjoyable end this weekend. Now it's time for the fun stuff. Join me tonight, our returning second second cappers in freelance rugby commentator and writer Sam Roberts and podcaster Enda Fahey. So welcome back on, gentlemen. Uh, hello, nice to be here. Nice to be here. Always good to have you on. And joining them is a man with more podcast appearances than Bernard Jackman these days. <laughs> it is Spreadsheets Guru and Castor aficionado, Hugh Griffin. So welcome back, mate. Thank you, Galen. To explain to our listeners, the joke with Castor there is that you and I exchange messages weekly on how much we hate Castor. I, <laughs> I do not. I tell you the reception <laughs> that I'm getting from pro-Castor people is a difference. I'm just pro-Adidas. Ah. <laughs> To, to pause the pleasantries for a split second, I just want to remind everyone at home again that we have covered Ireland's win over Scotland in an in-depth separate podcast on the channel. So make sure to check that out. And also, we will be changing things up slightly tonight. So instead of just going game by game, we will have a chat about the seven pool games, but also uh, a bit more of a joined up inspection of the pools themselves now as they've reached their crescendo. So with that in mind, we will kick things off in Pool A. And Thursday night rugby saw New Zealand crush the Uruguayans 73 zip on a pretty a pretty strange affair. And uh, um, let's start with yourself. It was an easy win for the All Blacks, but at the same time, Uruguay put in a quite a good show in that first half in particular. Yeah, they certainly did. And, and nobody likes to see a, a scoreline like that. I've, I'm kind of quite critical of this uh, on a number of different pods. Um, it gets it's quite frustrating really but it is what it is and we and we all know what the solutions are and hopefully we'll get there like in four years time we won't see these kind of cricket scores but yeah to be fair to Uruguay um like I think we'd all agree they're a joy to watch and they certainly put it up to um the All Blacks in the first half you know they showed a real willingness to play and run with the ball and yeah it was great to see yeah the All Blacks kept scoreless for for 20 minutes um and let's not forget as well like I know it's it's a you know, it's 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 a convincing, um, very con- convincing scoreline for the All Blacks, um. But I think that also does put into perspective how well, um, you know, Uruguay can play, especially against the French. When you when you remember that they, you know, they were within twenty points of the French in that game, um. So I I think yeah, the All Blacks were just absolutely ruthless, but Uruguay did show some class. You know, they had a lot of possession, but they just struggled to get past you know the All Blacks defense, and you have to say that All Blacks defense was excellent, um, and. They just it's quite frustrating really because they just seem to make a lot of errors like they do really well and make a nice break go through a couple of phases and then their hands would, would kind of let them down so that was quite frustrating but it's clear that they're building um and and they've you know every neutral i think is behind them we all want to see them do well so let's just hope 
that they continue to build and, and they're better for for the next tournaments. And then like just briefly in terms of the All Blacks, you know, they had the bonus points secured by halftime. Um, and I think that they really did show their class. They absolutely dominated possession. I think the second half, I think it was something like 75% um, possession, which is crazy. And, you know, we did see glimpses throughout the game of their, you know, attacking threat in Ireland. I'm sure we'll be watching. Um, like, I know that that disallowed Troy from Rygaard um, at the beginning was was fabulous. And, yeah, I know it, it came back and it wasn't um, awarded, but it did just show kind of what they're capable of. And th- there were other glimpses throughout the game as well. And how like that's how they score. They're so good in counterattack. Um, and that's what was frustrating thing for uh, the Uruguayans as well. So whenever they did make those errors, then... Um, the All Blacks would just pounce. And just a, a special mention too, to Dane McKenzie, I thought he was brilliant. Um, I could easily see him. I don't think he'll start uh, at fullback or even at uh, five half next week, but he, he certainly, I hope he, he's a bench option because I think he really, like he scored two tries. And we, we, I'm sure we've all seen those clips of that behind the back. Um, no, no, we haven't. That's the issue <laughs> in that we haven't seen clips. Uh, no, they haven't. <laughs> we saw it for like the first 10 minutes that, yeah, if you're on Twitter early, okay, then you saw it. Wait, are we allowed to share clips? I didn't know we were allowed to do that. <laughs> Not a chance. I'm still waiting you see for my what Jack Andy's Crowley doing. Uh, I love uh, what Andy's doing. He's just love, drawing uh, yeah. photos. Andy, <laughs> yeah. uh, Andy has written. Um, and what I love about Andy is his commitment to the cause. I thought it was just going to be one or two tweets, but he's carrying on with it. He's really, he's really pushing it. I love that work. Yeah, it is phenomenal, and it should be said we have talked about the clips many times, but it's just going to be keep coming up until we finish and. Another thing that yeah. will come up as well is, you know, like New Zealand for 30 odd years have just gone in and they've beaten tier two nations or tier three nations by a cricket score in a World Cup. It's it's no different than, than years gone by. But the only difference now is we're supposed to have a World League that will apparently bring teams together by closing the door in the likes of Uruguay's face, which is ridiculous, as we all know. And Sam, I might get your take on that because like, you watch Uruguay, they put up a great contest against Italy and against France. And yeah, this was disappointing, but it feels like they're going to have to do well just to get back to the same standards in four years' time. Yeah, and it, it's so obvious. And, and and this is what's so concerning, is that it is so obvious for anyone watching the likes of Uruguay and Portugal, these these teams that have, that have come to the World Cup and played, you know, rug, good rugby, and then the next match, you can see that they've learned so much from the last match and the next match and the next match. It seems so absolutely death-defyingly stupid to stop them from playing. Because even in that match, as uh, as Ender was saying there, Uruguay, you even in the game, against a team like the All Blacks, you learn so much and those players were learning so much and look at Portugal. I don't want to, you know, jump too far ahead, but look at the way that they have learned and, and adapted and just how much it, 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 it's, it's working. You can see it working. You can see it happening in front of your eyes and it is, it is undeniably daft and that's putting it polite, politely to, to, to stop these and 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 to, as you mentioned basically just send them back and send them off and your, your chiles your uruguays your your portugal your romania all of these teams that have come in and taken a pasting but even so have learnt so much in that process it's just mad i i ha- i just wish that there was someone 
with the foresight and the long view rather than the shortism, the, 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 the long view to really involve these teams in as much rugby as they can possibly get involved in. And I tell you, I jokingly said, you know, the championship has lost a team last, uh, you know, this week in, in Jersey. I mean, I, Portugal, you fancy it? I mean, it, it would be weekly rugby. They would just, I mean, they'd probably win the blinking thing and have to be promoted to the premiership. It would be hilarious. But, you know, it would, it, it, you'd need teams, you'd need to give them a go. You really do. And I hope someone somewhere is is making long-term plans. Well, even the EPCR are a self-proclaimed beacon of innovation in European club rugby. And they they brought in the Black Lions, what, nine years into their reign? Like, that's yeah. not exactly innovative, is, is no. it? You know? No. Um, I, I will come back to that on another separate podcast, maybe during the season, but we, we do have a lot to get into today. Sure. And uh, I will come back to you for France against Italy. France, like they, they flex their muscles. Like Damien Penault is just, it feels like this is his World Cup as opposed to Dupont, for instance. He was stellar in his in his performance. But for Italy, it has been two really disappointing last two games. Yeah, it really has, hasn't it? And I've I've kind of gone back on this. I think initially I was kind of up, and I did express this on a different pod, just saying that it was it felt like they'd, they'd maybe packed their bags and, you know, how much of an impact did Kieran Crowley's, like we all know he's departing after the World Cup, how much of an impact is that having on the players? And I think I initially thought that it just seemed like they'd, they'd packed the bags and they were just, they'd just kind of given up um, to an extent. But after after watching the game back, like they did hang in there and I was delighted to see them score up to 71 minutes. And it was crucial try by Zulani. Like it was good to see that, um, but like, just overall, and this game was a perfect example. Like, look, if you look at the penalty count, there was 16 penalties they gave away. They made so many errors and so many just frustra- frustrating errors, like missing touch. You know, France just do what France do, set it up. And yeah, it was just an incredibly frustrating um, World Cup in general, I think, for, for Italy. We all expected more. We all wanted more from them. Um, I don't want to get into the calls uh, for them to leave the Six Nations. I think that's, right. I think that's daft. I think they're, They've, they've earned their spot there. I think they should stay. Um, there's also never going to be a promotion relegation for me in the Six Nations. you think the IRP are going to vote for that and risk getting relegated? I don't think so. Um, but yeah, just overall, for, yeah. <laughs> overall, it was, it was very, very disappointing from, from Italy. But at least in this game, they did, you know, I think they did play better. Um, you look at the scoreline, it's that bit better. Like, it's still a lot pretty at 60 to 7 points. But um yeah, just for me, I've I've just been just been very let down um, by them throughout the whole tournament, and at least they put in this this uh, decent performance, if we call it that. But like going back to France, they were just absolutely spectacular. They were clinical, as you mentioned, Damien Pinot. Um, he's the top try scorer for a reason in this competition. He's just he's a joy to watch. Even when he makes an error, he just like it doesn't phase him at all, um, which is brilliant. And this young superstar, Louis Biel Biare. I definitely I think that's that. It. I think that's he's such it. an ex- <laughs> he's such an exciting young talent, uh, and I love the way the French aren't afraid to throw him in there in the deep end, and you could definitely see him starting in the in the quarterfinals now. Um, and as usual, France, you know, they were really strong defensively as well. You know, I think there was something like ninety four percent of their tackles were completed, and um, no surprise there with John Edwards in charge. Um, and just one really interesting stat as well, like only one try was scored by a French forward in this game, which is really interesting. So it just showed how, yeah, their backs were just 
yeah, they let loose in this game, but obviously the platform was, was set by the uh, by the pack, and Aldrich was excellent, of course. But yeah, I, I, but again, I did kind of mention: is this the best prep for France? You know, ahead of Probably. the uh, a box team who's who've been resting for two weeks. I don't know, um, and it will be pretty mad after losing against Ireland. So I think we're in for an absolutely cracking quarterfinal game. We'll get into that later, but really looking forward to that. But yeah, very very clinical and probably worrying for from an Irish perspective if we can get too ahead of ourselves and think about the final. Two two, two things that I noticed in that game, and I don't know if you saw them as well. There was about two minutes of Italy playing some really good rugby. They ended up scoring. And it was like, it was completely incongruous with the last sort of two games that they played. They just played some really good rugby for about two minutes. Fast ball, everything went to hand and they scored. And I, I just remember thinking, what? Why don't you do that? <laughs> do, do that more often. That that that's the Italy that was, you know, beating Wales and 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 performing so well a few months ago, or or maybe it was a bit longer than that ago. But yeah, I mean that that was that that was just so unusual for me. I I, I remarked it on it at the time. The other thing is a rest week. Fiji showed that a rest week isn't always the best thing to have, yeah. and I don't know where. And it's a question for everyone. Does does a rest week? <laughs> work i don't know i don't know i don't know if it does yeah it's in, it's really interesting and i was actually going to ask you hugh anyway about kind of the pool and how it sets up for france because warren gatland has famously said give me a tough pool and i come second then give me a cakewalk of a pool and i come first because in 2011 famously they had to do it the hard way. They should have really got to work on final. I shouldn't be bringing it up, but <laughs> with the Welshman in front of me, but like he, he said that before other coaches have a similar line and for France and for New Zealand, there is a sense of, well, were they really tested at all since mm. what was it September 8th? Yeah. And you know, Wales are the Kings of getting hard pools. We get, Incredibly and, hard and monster like, and monster. All right. Anyway, <laughs> there are going to be multiple uh, references to monster. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, and there's a new podcast 20... coming out soon. I think. Anyway, carry on. Is there? I didn't know about that. Anyway, um, 20, 2011, like, even in our pool, we had Samoa, and the Samoa 2011 were an extremely good team. Very unlucky not to progress. Only lost by a point to the Springboks, I think. Yeah, and lost by about five points a year or something. It was a score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were losing at half time against them. Anyway, so. Yes, and on on rest weeks, yes, I do think it helps just because from my experience being a Wales fan, I've seen us just get battered and battered and battered. But maybe this is why Farrell has chosen to play his first-choice Ireland team in every single game, regardless of the opposition. And maybe this is why Galtier choose, chose to play his first-choice France team against Namibia as well, just to keep it going, keep the keep the combinations going, keep the, the rhythm in the in the players. Does it that you the point about Italy not being preparation for the box is so true. I mean, the, the one stat that I think sums it up is that Stephen Varney kicked box kicked once while he was on the pitch, and Fusco, when he came on, box kicked once again. That is like the opposite to Springbok rugby. It's it's the opposite to pretty much how anyone plays rugby, and I think uh, unless the Italian players, unless Crowley has told the Italian players to do something and they've just gone, no, we're not going to do it. That does come back on Crowley. It is like, okay, I understand maybe you want to play differently because you think if you play like France, you're not going to beat France. But like basic, if you've got Monte Ioanni, why not stick a ball up and, and get him to chase it? Because he, he can do that. It's the same with, 
um, Scotland, who we'll talk about later, is like, do him van der Merwe, give him a ball to chase. He'll, I'm sure he'll contest for it very well. So, yeah, and then just on Italy as well, I, the other thing for me that deserves criticism is what they were doing with Gabisi, Allen and Capuozzo, the way they were moving Capuozzo between fullback and wing and then Allen between fly half and fullback and Gabisi between 12 and 10. How have you got here and not know what your plan is? How have you got here and not known what you want your spine of your team to look like? That That's a serious question for me. Um, I don't know whether they were trying to tweak based on the opposition, but obviously it didn't work. And Yeah, but in terms of the strength of the pool, the one counter to that I will say is that I think a big reason that England got to the final in 2019 was because their last pool game against France was cancelled. That's my theory. Yeah. I think France was their hardest game in that pool by a long way. They played against a 14-man USA, a 14-man Argentina and Tonga. And they had a rest week in that, and then they had their final pool game cancelled. And then they went on. Australia didn't show up against them, which they haven't done for several years. And then fair play, they had an amazing performance against the All Blacks. But I definitely think that having easier games and then their hard game cancelled, and then Wales got the bomb deal out of that with a, a, friend, a fresh France team in the quarterfinal that nearly beat us, despite being down to 14 men. It, yeah, so my, my opinion is the rest week's definitely help it's, it's good to get that take on it because it is kind of the first year of the proper rest week as well and yes teams like Namibia and Chile have been kind of crucified by it by finishing up early and whatnot but it's you know it's it's interesting to get your take Sam I might just come to you on initially before we well as we look at Pule in total like Quesada is coming in there now and it felt like he'd be taking a, an energised squad who could have had a real stab at it but over the last two weeks, be it a lack of cohesion, which Hugh has talked about, a lack of kind of knowing what their game plan is, is as you've all mentioned, they have just fell flat in their face. And it's it's disappointing considering the two years they've had prior to this. It's hugely disappointing. Um and you know, it's 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 very disappointing for everyone who who wants the whole of rugby to get better uh, because, you know, our arguments for and against Italy's inclusion in various different competitions come up and, and you feel slightly uh, deflated, you know, looking at those again and, 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 and wondering, you know, because you, because I, I definitely thought, and maybe I'm not alone in this. I definitely thought we were on an upward curve with Italy um, and, and it would last because of the uh, talent that they have at under twenties um, that, that is, that is bleeding through. And what I thought was the spine of that team l- looking like it was going to be set fair for a fair few years. Um, I don't know. A new coach coming in, off the back of a really good World Cup, which they didn't qualify for, because let's face it, let's face it, Italy could have played really well and not qualified, and 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 a new coach coming in, at least, at least he's now got a little bit of um, right to make some big decisions and and to to sort of take it forward and to have some 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 idea of positivity, bringing it in and saying this is this is the direction I want to go in and, and how I want to do it. I suppose there there is that he he can. Um, 
I, I, we haven't mentioned it yet, but obviously there is that whole Lamaro uh, exchange coming off when he did, and, and, and a very strange substitution. I think in about forty-three, forty-four minutes, he was he was pulled off, and 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 obviously it didn't look as though that had been communicated to him in any way or shape or form, and it was very very strange. And and I I I, I think that Crowley leaving now and a new voice and a new head and a new thought process coming in might be exactly what Italy could do with and obviously the proof will be in the pudding next spring next february and march when they when they come back into the six nations and, and have to make a case for themselves again uh you have to hope you have to hope it's going to be the case and you have to hope that that um off the back of what will be seen as a pretty disastrous world cup uh campaign uh they can bounce yes you do and it's it is as we said disappointing for Italy and the flip side is, you know, France will feel they're in a good place going into the quarterfinals, but maybe there's a false sense of security. And New Zealand, I, I definitely get the sense of, you know, they probably haven't impressed against a top team in, in over a year. So maybe they're in a false sense of security as well. Like you don't get any more prizes for racking up more than 80 points or more than no. 70 points in rugby. You know, this pool is kind of, I think we've kind of touched on all bases because it's it went as expected. France top, New Zealand second, Italy third, Uruguay fourth. And we touched on the World League and we'll touch on other things as we get on. But I want to move on to Pool B now, lads, because even though there's only one game for us to discuss, it was probably the Pool of Deaths. That's a debate myself and Hugh have had offline about which one actually was. But the, the game that actually took place here between Tonga and Romania was surprisingly hmm. really entertaining. And... Like 45-24 win for, for the Tongans. I said I'd take this pool. Um, The least amount of work, least amount of time for me to talk. Some people might like that. But Tonga were considerably better than they have been in previous games. But Romania, who... Listen, we can be accused of it here on this podcast. We have belittled them in some regard. They have not been good. They're in a bad state at the moment. But give a great account for themselves. And the they were... The Romanian player scored the try on his last cap. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but like to see scenes like that, kind of like Portugal, like Fiji, their wins. These this is what World Cups are about as well. It's not just about what France can do when they get go forward ball, you know. And I I I don't know about you guys, but I, I've been left with a sense that with Tonga, had they assembled this kind of this barbarian squad of sorts by bringing the band back together before 2023, they probably could have caused some problems, but they didn't. Hugh, I'll turn to you for that one because we've discussed this ourselves about Tonga. It's it's a sense of what might have been in some ways. Maybe. I don't think they were ever going to beat the teams that they lost to. I think maybe they would have performed better. I think they gave a good account themselves in the first half against Ireland. They were another team I think didn't play in week one, so they played all four of their matches without a break. And they scored three tries against the uh, box as well, which very rarely happens. Uh, they're the only team to score three tries against the box in a World Cup for a good while, I, th- I believe. Uh, and Coventry's own Pat Pellegrini getting on the score sheet <laughs> as well, which was nice. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, my my worry with Tonga is are they going to get trapped in this cycle of all blacks capping Tongan qualified players, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, all of our nations, of us on the call and more, have players who are qualified for other countries. It's, it's what happens. But are we going to be in a cycle of 
the All Blacks cap uh, Tongan qualified player. That Tongan qualified player plays for the All Blacks for a couple of seasons, gets a big money move to France, which is cool, fair play to him, and then sits low for three years and then pulls on a Tonga jersey for the next World Cup. If you look at someone like Lester Fang Nuku, I believe he's uh, Tongan qualified. Yeah. He's now off to Toulon, I believe, after this World Cup. Yeah. So is he going to be pulling on a Tonga jersey at the next World Cup? And if so, he's only going to get one season playing with it. And you could say that Lester Fanguku walks into this Tonga team, and maybe he does. Maybe oh, he, he does. He, make absolutely, he absolutely does. No but, disrespect from the way I really think he does, yeah. Yeah, but is a world-class winger what Tonga need? No. I, I, I don't fair. feel like it is. I think a fly... Well, I was about to say a fly half. I think William Mavili has been excellent for them. And I think uh, Big Ben Samiafuna has been excellent mm-hmm. for them on the tight head as well. But I think... More forwards is what they need. They need locks. They need loose heads. They need hookers. So these flash players from New Zealand coming and moving over, which is completely their right. I'm not going. I'm not trying to stop them or anything. I just worry whether Tonga might just be into this cycle now. Of this is what happens to them. This is their four-year period. Unfortunately, so it remains yeah. to be seen. We're right at the beginning of this. Maybe I'll be wrong, and I'll be delighted to be wrong. But that's my concern. Yeah, and just to support that point, uh, you've pulled up the Tongan squad here and their date of birth. So Ben Tamifuna is 32. He's not going to another World Cup, you would imagine. Um, Adam Coleman, 32, more than likely not. Lev Fafita is 34. Sam Lousey, 32. Steve Maffey, 33. Fea Fafita, 31. Um, Sione Vialu is 28, potentially, especially if he gets four years at a kind of URC level where... He's not playing every single weekend. Uh, Augustine Pulu is 33. How older than I thought he'd be, actually. Patrick Pellegrini is only 25, so we'll, we'll throw that one out there, as is William Havili. George Moala, 32. Malika Fekitoa, 31. Peter Aki, 31. Charles Pieta, 31. And the former Warthas fullback who didn't make the World Cup is 34. So that is the kind of age profile that you're looking at. Yeah. They are players who've been there, that, done that, and yeah. if they perform it again, great. But like you look at even Peter Aki, Malachi Fekitoa, they are brilliant, brilliant players, but they just didn't have enough time. And at this stage of their career, they probably need that extra game, which, as we talked about with yourself, Hugh and Enda, Tonga don't have those games. They don't have yeah, the and I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this on your pod, mate, but Fekitoa didn't do much in a Tonga jersey. No, he didn't. And he's he's been a slow starter for the last number of years now. He started slow at Munster, he started slow at Wasps, and it's it's the same again this preseason uh, it, by the looks of things anyways. Um, but, you know, if he can do it at the best league, he can do it anywhere. We'll just <laughs> put it that way. Pool B, though, is has been really entertaining. And uh, I'll start with yourself on this one. I'll give you the South Africans, just to keep it slightly more partial, um, for the best of ways. They've come out second. There's no Celtic conspiracy. That was debunked straight away on Saturday night. And maybe it's just me and my, you know, prediction bias, but feels like South Africa are in a good place heading into the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think they're in a good place as well. They're going to be well-rested. They know their game plan inside out. Um, they've got a ridiculous strength and depth. Um, they've called Am in now as well. Um you know, they've got a big call to make, I think, at fly half that like that is going to be a really tough call. I could I could easily see Pollard go straight in. It'd be so tough on Libok. I don't think I'd like to see it, but I could definitely see that that call being made, especially after 
yeah, just his performance, not to single out a player, but just against Ireland, you know, he wasn't that accurate off the tee. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, yeah, I think that they're, they're going to be stung, I think, after that Irish game. Um, like, to be honest, I think that the 7-1 and one split was definitely a mistake looking at that game. Um, and they are playing France at home um in paris uh with that crowd behind probably maybe what they said the second best crowd behind the irish crowd maybe i don't know they have I, one I song think, i think so, so yeah <laughs> so like it's gonna be yeah uh, it's gonna be a cracking game but i i yeah like i don't know if you guys can call this game but like i, I think south africa have been doing well they've expanded their game plan since the last world cup we see some players hit form there have been some question marks at 10 which which might be answered now like it's but it's still just really hard to, to 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 see them. I don't know what I think France could could pick this one by 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 five to, by five to ten points. Um, just yeah, I think South Africa. They just I think they they put a lot of energy into that Irish game. Like and we know they didn't have to win it, uh, and they were comfortable winners against Scotland. But I just do feel like France, the way they're going, the way they performed in the weekends, um. Like even like even like even if Dupont doesn't play, I did say a previous that I think they wouldn't they wouldn't go far without Dupont. But I think that there's a strong chance, obviously, he'll play. But yeah, it'd be interesting to get your guys' take on kind of South Africa's form um, in this pool to date and, and whether or not they can get past France. Yeah, Sam, I might throw that to you. Out of you, met of of the reigning champions. I, it's fascinating. It, it it's one of those pieces of art that the more you look at it, the more you see something different. Uh, and you perhaps haven't considered it previously. Uh, it's um, you know, you think when you think of France, you you and the way that they have been playing rugby, you you can't really sort of envisage anything other than France winning. But South Africa are the type of team and have the type of mindset that could could just sort of knock France off their cycle and off their off their 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 spinning piece really and I, I and, and I'm tr- I'm trying to I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to put it in a way that that doesn't make it sound as though uh the box are purely physical because they're not but the physical element of their game is so emphatic at times and so crucial. And if they can get it right, which they, I don't think they did get it right against Ireland. And that's, and that's interesting. They've already had one go at a, at a really brilliantly offensive team in Ireland and France are fantastic offensively. Um, I will put a caveat in there and say Ireland are, I still can't quite work out whether Ireland are better defensively or offensively. They are, they are extraordinarily good on both sides of that, that coin. Um, but they, but the box have had a go at trying to work out how to, you know, disjoint or or, or knock off centre a wonderfully fluid and together offensive team, and it didn't work out for them. I wonder whether that will play also that they they will they will be trying something different and something something that 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 they can go they can learn from what happened against Ireland and they can take it into the French game, as I say. I can't really call it because every time you think about it, and if you t- think about it in different positions, if you look at the centres or if you look at the the back row, it, there are different bits in every part of the puzzle which make you think a slightly different thing. And every everything I, that sounds like I'm dodging this question, but I genuinely mean it. It is an utterly 
intriguing game of rugby and and I, I don't know which way it's going to go. One of, one of the beauties of this lopsided draw is we could well be treated to, what, five finals, two in the pool stages, two in the yeah. quarterfinals and the main event. Yeah. Like it's... But, I saw, it's I saw, a t- yeah, I saw a tweet saying uh, it's just so ridiculous that these are the quarterfinals; they should be the semifinals. And my point to that is, they might as well be because I, I think the two teams that win these two matches end up in the final. I, do, I, I, I can't see, God bless them, Wales, however wonderful they seem, and and uh, Hugh, I have passed down to me Welsh heritage, so that that's who I support as well when push comes to shove, I would love Wales to, to make a really good account of themselves. But I can't see the winner of France versus South Africa and the winner of Ireland versus New Zealand, those two teams not making the final. I can't see it happening. Well, history suggests whoever wins between Ireland and New Zealand will get knocked out straight after because whoever beats <laughs> New Zealand typically loses the next game or Ireland, barred the 91 Wallabies. So Something's got a break. Something's got a break. Something's Something got a break. has to change. That is it. I will get on to Ireland in a minute because Sam, I want to get your thoughts, but I want to go to Scotland first before I forget. And Hugh, you were probably, maybe not Scotland's biggest fan, or so I've been told by a, a friend of the pod who's who was probably listening and is on the rap podcast and sports Cardiff. That's all. I'll leave it at that. But they came into this fifth in the world. A lot of question marks about could they finally make the breakthrough? And now what are we 48 hours removed from, from kickoff in Paris in their final game? It feels like they are in no better shape. They lost to Ireland and South Africa by what, 20, 30 odd points. It's been a poor tournament. I think it's fair to say. Well, I think it's gone exactly how a lot of people thought it was going to go for Scotland. Uh, We spoke about it. Ender and I spoke about it on pirate pods. When we said there's nothing that we've seen from Scotland to suggest that they were going to be Ireland, not this year, not any year. I got so you speak about me not being a big fan. I had uh, a Scottish fan tell me that if I thought there's no data for Scotland beating Ireland, I was clearly only taking into account games played since the year 2000. Right, guilty. Yes, that's yeah. true. <laughs> I, I you mean the I last was. 20 years? <laughs> Yeah. You mean modern uh, rugby? Oh, that, that you... is my lifespan. <laughs> How I had, I had another. What Scotland about 1871? Fan... What about know, 1871? I'll hold my hands up. I didn't look. Remember when you the needed 1800s. the conversion for the try to count? What about those guys? I also had another right. Scotland fan telling me I was paying too much attention to score lines and not to performances, which I said is fair when predicting the results of a rugby match. Um, yeah. But I'm not. That's that's two interesting people on Twitter. That's not all of Scotland fans. Since you're going to throw me under the bus for my Scotland hate, <laughs> I I want to talk about I want to talk about the complete one-sided rivalry that is Ireland versus Scotland because there's a lot of hype from one side, and the example I use is Rob Carney on Virgin Media, who when someone says the word Scotland, looks deeply offended that someone's even talking to him about Scotland. Like he, he's like, yeah, who? <laughs> who are they? Like, so I don't think. I mean, Ender said he had no doubt that um, Ireland were going to win this one. Uh, he didn't fear Scotland at all, and I didn't see any Ireland fan who was. That, I'm not making stuff up, guys. Scotland don't turn up in big games. If you want to. 
beat the worst England team since the turn of the century, if you want to beat a Welsh team that was in the midst of strike threats, cool. If you want to beat France's B team, having been 21-0 down at half-time to them, cool. Yeah, this was apparently your greatest ever team. You finished third in the Six Nations. Some Wales have had bad teams win the Six Nations. Like, I'm sorry, oh, I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's a great point because as as well as that, like there was um oh I can't remember who who made the point about it, but you know, like Scotland, I th- actually I think it was Ben Nurse who's been on this podcast. You could argue that Scotland had one good game in 2015 in the entire year, and that was the quarterfinal against Australia. Didn't perform in 2019, didn't perform at this World Cup, didn't perform in 2011. Granted, they weren't as strong of a team. And 2007, they scraped past Italy in the pool stages. So certainly question marks to be raised there. We have talked enough about Scotland. We probably have talked enough about Ireland as well. But I want to get your take on it, Sam, from the outside, because, you know, Johnny Beatty was saying, and Stuart Hogg was saying, this is potentially the performance of champions, even if Ireland didn't have anything to do for the last 20 minutes. From your outside perspective, what's your your take on this world number one team? On Ireland, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they they are, as I said, as I alluded to earlier, they they are an extraordinary, extraordinary team. They they are you you are drawn to them, and you 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 approach thinking that at some point, because because we are we are so wrapped up in this in this fallacy of previous world cups that an island team can't perform you somehow think that there is going to be a crack you will spot a fisher somewhere and 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 it will happen and and maybe uh you know p- people were kind of thinking that that might come forth uh in the island scotland game but it didn't take them long less than 5 minutes to show that Offensively, they were adroit and accurate, and just everyone. I mean, three or four people could have scored the try that they started with. It wasn't an individual piece of brilliance. It was a marauding horde of people who were all aiming at scoring a try and basically snuffing out any hope that you had of Scotland being in in the remotest bit in, involved in this game, and then. A little bit later on in the game, they said to Scotland, you have the ball. You have the ball for 15, 18, 20 phases. You have the ball. See what you can do with it. Because, you know, you've got this absolute master of of offensive, you know, chucking the ball around at 10. And they they just they just manipulated Scotland around the park like a like a cat with a dead mouse it was just like oh don't they're already dead why are you doing this to them <laughs> and it was it was just so it was just so it, i you could gulp at it it was just wow this is a really really good side and and to suggest i get a little bit i haven't entered into the the conversation on twitter because obviously it's a dangerous place but anyone suggesting that this side is going to choke i think are badly badly wrong they may get beaten by a French side that on the day end up better than them. They might get beaten by a South Africa side that on the day performs somehow in the game of rugby over 18 minutes slightly better than them. The bounce of the ball, a yellow card, or whatever it is that that, that, that that creates the, or is part of that, the infrastructure of an 80 minutes of game, a game of rugby. 
They might, but I don't think they will. And I think that they are going to um, stride, not walk, they will stride imperiously to uh, to a Rugby World Cup title. That's that's what we like to hear. To be to be, and I'm not just saying that because yeah. you got. I, I I genuinely mean that. I genuinely yeah. mean that. I I can't. France have the potential to be to be very very good, and a France Ireland final would be extraordinary. It would be extraordinary if if everyone kept you know themselves on the pitch and, and it played out the way it would be. But I I I see. The one, the one key difference with with the France and Ireland is Ireland's defence. It's 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 sublime. It is all encompassing. It is, it's it is suffocating, and it would it would it would do for France, I think. And the the cat and and mouse ploy is, as you put it, is it's true because Ireland, like they barely kicked in the first half. That spiked in the second half. I think they mm. almost doubled the amount of kicks in the second half as what they had in the first. And they were short and they were basically saying, come on, Scotland, run back at us. Yeah. But then you had lads like Jack Crowley and Jemison Gibson Park making thundering tackles on yeah. lads twice their size. And it's, I I think people go in about physicality a lot in rugby. And I think the difference with Ireland is it's not physicality, it's intensity. It they play with an intensity and a ferocity that is just, I've never seen it in an Irish team no. before. And it's why, it's one of the reasons why I don't think, as you said, they'll choke or they'll bottle no. it. I think, It'll take a better team to beat them, and because yeah, they always turn up. One hundred percent. It is. It is a ridiculous cliche, and and shame on you if you ever utter the words that the Irish side will choke. I just, I just don't think it's. You can see it in them. You can see it in every single one of their eyes. It, it's just not part of it. Yes, they could get beaten by a better side, and you know they're unfortunate that 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 France are as good as they are, and South Africa are as good as they are, and New Zealand look as though they potentially might be able to throw a few moves out on the dance floor. But no, I don't. I don't think at the moment anyone is better than Ireland. It's it's, it's just making for an incredible end last month to this yeah. this tournament. We move on to Pool C now and to yourself, Hugh, with Wales, because they took on Georgia in Nantes, and despite some injury concerns, which I'm sure you'll touch on, they had too much. It was a four and three nineteen victory. Like job done, top spot secured before Fiji got to kick a ball. And above all else, and you have to give them credit for this, there has been an incredible amount of improvement from this Welsh team to the one that was trashed in round one and two of the Six Nations back in February. Well, to give you a stat, um, there were five games in this World Cup where a team that's a team beat a team that was ranked above them when the World Cup started. England beat Argentina, uh, Japan beat Samoa, Portugal beat Fiji, which we'll talk about in a moment, and then the other two were Wales beating Fiji and Wales beating Australia. No one said when Warren Gatland came in that his job was easier than Eddie Jones's job, and before the beginning of the World Cup, everyone's predictions for Pool C, whether they were taking the mick or not, was, oh, it'll be Australia and Fiji, it'll be yeah, Australia me. and Georgia. Not me. <laughs> But I it, got. It I happened. said Wales will get to a semi-final, and I stand by it. We got. We've got nineteen points out of twenty possible, and to be honest, we should be maybe thinking we should have got five points against Australia as well. Okay, doesn't matter, but we definitely had the golfing quality between us and them to get the, the bonus point. So I think what's 
quite remarkable with what Gatlin's been able to do in such a short space of time is before the Fiji game, everyone in Wales was saying, I've got no idea what the 15 looks like. I've got no idea what our best team looks like. And as soon as it was named, all the, well, not all the debate, because there's always selection debate in Wales, most of the debate completely ended. I was like, oh, yes, that's our, our best team. And since that moment, it's been like, yeah, okay, no, this is the team, this is the team. Yes, we've got an injury to Fallertown now, who I made a claim about last time I was on this pod, and apparently it didn't go down very well. Um, but never mind. So, yes, Fallertown is a huge loss for us, and we are without doubt a worse team without him. But I don't think it is a Johnny Sexton-style injury for us, like if he went down and that's game over. I think we can readjust. The big discussion now with our team will be, do you bring in a six, whether that's Lydiot, or do you bring in Shunza at six, who has been playing as a hybrid lock back rower? Or do you move Jack Morgan to six, where he's perfectly capable of playing very well, and have Tommy Reffel, who had a very good game at the breakdown against Georgia, and have the sort of dual open side type option? I think either of those is fine. I personally would go with uh, Raphael and Morgan. I know the aforementioned Cardiff fan hates that idea, um, <laughs> but that's what I would do. And I think Wayne Wright has shown that he is going to be the Wales's number eight when we are forced to live without Falatau permanently, which is probably, unfortunately, sooner rather than later. Um, and then it was a shame to see Anscombe go off because I think there was a very real chance, and I think the thinking behind starting him in this game was to have him start the quarterfinal and go back to what we had with Anscombe and Bigger coming off the bench, which is what served us so well in 2019 um, for all of that Six Nations. And Gatland said if there's there's only one time in his career he wished the player was available but wasn't, and it was Gareth Anscombe when he played when we lost to the box in the semi-final in 2019. What's his injury, Hugh? Do you know? Groin injury. Groin, yeah, correct. Groin, groin. Um, he's not been sent home. So Falatao's out and gone. They've not said that about Anscombe. Mm. So that gives us hope. I think Costello, uh, everyone knows that I'm a huge Sam Costello fan. He's probably my favourite player at the moment. That was his third start for Wales. He's had six caps, but three of those were really junk minutes in games that were that were gone. Oh, yeah. His three starts have been England at home in a warm-up. Uh, South Africa at home in a warm-up, which was Wales' third team. And for the first 20 minutes of that game, he did quite well. Um, and then this game, and Gatlin came out and said after the game, I threw him in the, in the deep end here. He didn't do everything perfectly, and he didn't. But I think what this World Cup has reinforced for me, if you look at plenty of other teams, is how hard it is to be a 10 at a World Cup and how the good 10s stand so much taller than all of the mediocre 10s. So Sam is learning that. But is he ready for a quarterfinal? Is he ready to come off the bench in a quarterfinal to see a game out? I'm not sure he is. I'm not sure he is. To the point where I would almost rather start Sam and bring Bigger off the bench than the other way around. But I don't think that will happen. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's the one day the world will be at Sam's feet, but maybe not next week. Is it is think... it too too much to ask for Bigger to be an 80-minute man, do you think? Mm. It might be. That's the worry. That's that's a big I, question. I think also the other problem, Hugh, uh, sorry, with my Wales hat on, is that Argentina have started to show up, and this links obviously into what I'm going to talk about. There, there was, you know, I, I watched the, the the highlights, albeit the highlights of that Japan-Argentina game, and I was like, as a Wales fan, I was like, 
Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, no, I didn't know. No, I don't. I don't want you to start playing good rugby. Uh, that's not. That's not what we need. Um, and, and I'm wearing and, uh, my. I'm wearing my Japan jersey in homage of the quarterfinal opponent. I wish we had because yes, I think exactly. we would have beat. I would. <laughs> I think we would have beaten Japan quite very yeah. comfortably. Yeah, um, we would. We would definitely less, beaten so. Argentina. Yeah, we'd have beaten Argentina, uh, who played against England. Definitely, that would have been nice. But but the Argentina uh, that started yeah. to show up now, it's it's. Uh, and you know, you talk about back rows, and you talk about the areas of the, the pitch that I thought Wales might have ascendancy in. Uh, some of those players in the Argentina team stood up against Japan, and I just you just start to worry. But as you say, we shall see. Absolutely, I want to get your thoughts on the other game in that pool now, Hugh. Because listen, if you haven't seen the clips, you've heard the stories. Portugal, their first World Cup win, coming at the expense of Fiji, but. Mm. To the delight of everyone not named Eddie Jones, Fiji do get to the quarterfinals. Um, <laughs> just to, just by the skin of their teeth, like there's no point in in denying that. Like, what an amazing game this was! Like, even at three nil, it was thoroughly enjoyable. And just, I suppose, the only thing I can say is rugby. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, I said after um. Portugal lost to Australia, I said. Portugal were very nice to watch in that game, but can they win games playing like that? Can they win the big games? And they kind of, they they were true to themselves, but they showed a different edge to them that we haven't seen in this World Cup so far. They defended incredibly. It was yeah. jaw on the floor defense. Fiji, I don't know if anybody knows this, are big men. They are <laughs> big <laughs> players and they, they run hard. And they were being stopped on the game line or driven backwards, which is incredible. That is the game of their lives from every single Portugal player. And the the moment, of course, at the end where the winger darks down the blind side and then feeds the man, he's got no one in front of him. There must have been a moment in his head where he's like, oh, my God, I'm scoring the winning try um, against Fiji in a World Cup for Portugal. I can't believe it. What a moment for him. Uh, and Marquez, the, the scrum half, just nerves of steel, ice in the veins, kicking the goals, but showing Fiji what they should have been doing. Storty is a player who is going to go on and have an extremely long and profitable career in either the Premiership or the Top 14. I've got no doubt about that. But the Portugal player I want to talk about is Nicolas Martins. Nicolas Martins. Yes. Phenomenal. This guy Unreal. can do everything. So I'm just going to read you his stats. I spent time doing this this morning, but it was time well spent. So this is Nicholas Martins in the pool stage. 63 tackles, 39 carries, 196 metres, five offloads, 29 passes, 16 line-out takes, four line-out steals, five dominant tackles, four clean breaks, six defenders beaten, and four turnovers. What, what's missing from this guy? What can he not do? And he's it, only it's, 24 it's ridiculous. as well. In a, in a really right. good pool as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, against very good opposition. From a Fiji point of view, speaking about this game, fantastic they went through. They tried to do what Wales did. They tried to put out a patchwork team and just make it through this game, and it backfired. Botitu is not a 10. I was very surprised to see him left on the pitch as long as, long as he did. Teller didn't come on until the 71st minute. As a Fiji fan, I was screaming for him to come on from about 50 minutes. Fiji's attack had no shape to it. And obviously, he, his kicking for the touch was not what it needed to be. Obviously, he wasn't kicking for goal because Lamani was doing it. But Lamani is not like, it's not like Lamani is Lee Arpeny 
It like <laughs> not all of his kicks looked like they were going over. No Kuravoli, I think he might still be injured. It, so it was seven changes from the team that beat Australia, seven differences. Yeah. And they took Nithalovu off early, which surprised yeah, me a lot. He, he had a poor performance, though, it must be yeah, said. Mm. So glad he, I drafted he, him into my fantasy team. Carry on. Same. But he is he is their guy, though. He's their, he's their Alan Wynne-Jones. He, he's the guy who steps up for them. Um, they didn't kick for the goals as much as they should have done. Matawalu, the reserve scrum half, came off the bench but went onto the wing. And I don't know whether that contributed to the final try of no one covering the blind side because they had a scrum half playing wing. It might have been on the other side that that issue came up. It might have been a contributor. They they, they missed months. I think yeah. for Fiji have done well. They've gotten through this pool and I think they have a chance against England, which we'll talk about more later. But that in this game, it showed having to rest Teller what the miss Caleb Munts has been for them. So, and this is the second World Cup in a row where they've lost to Portugal and they've lost to Uruguay games they shouldn't have lost. So, it's disappointing, but they're through. Just put it behind you, move on. Like I say, just blame it as the fact on a on a changed team. The one thing that I want to know, I want to know, in the Australian hotel, were they all sat together in a big room watching the game? Were they all in their rooms? Was Eddie Jones with them? Or, or I, I think I think we can take an educated guess, given the kind of dynamic that Eddie Jones has created over the last couple of months, that I don't know if anyone, not even Eddie Jones, would have wanted to watch that one match alongside him. <laughs> like, <laughs> all best intentions, I'm sure he would have wanted his team to get to the quarterfinals, but that would be a very stressful experience. <laughs> you know. Anyways, we will we will just touch on Pool C and end up, I'll get your thoughts on Australia because for the first time ever, they're not getting out of the pools. And it's funny, I put up a tweet before the World Cup. I said, you know, France, South Africa, New Zealand. And France, South Africa, New Zealand and Australia, the four sides who would always get out of their pool. That's half a quarter finalist, um, which is pretty phenomenal. Australia where pretty much people said, no, they'll 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 get out. Fiji probably won't beat them and beat Wales, which they probably have to do, but they bet Australia. They got the job done. And it feels like it was maybe it's Captain Hindsight kicking in, but Australia just under Eddie Jones, they look so far off the base. Yeah, and he, he and I touched on this like before before this tournament started and we just called out how like it was such a bizarre. Like if anyone's to blame here, it's it's the Australian rugby union. Like to make that decision to drop Dave Rennie and and pull in Jones this close to a tournament, um, and especially like if you you have to put this into context as well. Like they were a very controversial decision away from winning the rugby championship last year, and now look where they are. They're, they haven't made it through to the knockout stages of the World Cup for the first time. So it's just it it was a baffling decision, I think, to bring in Eddie Jones. Um it really was. And and we, we can talk all day about his selection. Like he he, he makes some crazy selections, not like he's got a record of doing this, you know, uh, especially at ten. So I, I wasn't surprised not to see them get out. Like I don't like to say that, but I, I wasn't surprised not to see them get out. And a part of me likes to just as an Irish person, um, likes to see Eddie Jones not succeed too well. But at the same time, like you do feel for those players, like we all saw those those clips briefly on Twitter of them. Um, you know, you could really tell that it meant a lot to them that they weren't making making true. They were all quite upset. So, you know, in that respect, you know, they're a young squad and hopefully they can bounce back from this. But 
yeah, I mean, like when you talk about Australia, Australian rugby in general as well, you look at their their super rugby teams as well, not doing too well. Like it's, you'd wonder how much of hold they're actually in, and is this a deeper problem, or is it just a poor call that they made in appointing Eddie Jones, and you know, changing the game plan, not selecting Michael Hooper, which I just think is absolutely absolutely criminal. Um, but yeah, not not surprised to see them not make it through. And I think from a neutral perspective, good to see Fiji get through. And we spoke about them, but it's really good to see them uh, get through. And what a clash of styles! Um, we'll touch on up with them versus England. I just can't wait for that. But yeah, it's it's been a very overall a very very poor showing from Australia. Um, even in the rugby championship right beforehand, like it was really difficult to decipher what their game plan was, what they were doing in attack. And yeah, I think that this is, yeah, this is, this was completely, yeah, th- th- this is a direct result, I think, of the decision to appoint Eddie Johnson just to tear everything up and, and try something new this close yeah. to a tournament. We saw similar with, with Romania as well, and look how they've gone. So yeah, very, very disappointed for, for the players, but it's not surprising. Absolutely. I just, I, I was going to say, I don't, I well, don't think those two things are, are mutually exclusive. You, you mentioned about the, the state that Australia's rugby is in, I, I, and, and and appointing Eddie Jones. I don't think they're, the, the, those two things can can happen at the same time. You know, it can be in a bad spot and it can be a bad decision. They're, they're not almost they they can be they can be separate things. Uh, and I think I said this earlier uh, to you guys on this podcast. That group was an absolute street fight. It was an absolute street brawl. It, personified beautifully by the fact that Portugal in in out of nowhere were able to 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 absolutely elbow uh Fiji right in the ghoulies and it was it was they they didn't take street fighters to a street fight Hooper Quade Cooper I think would have approached it in a slightly different way and and that's and and, and they didn't they didn't equip themselves for the group that they were going into yeah 100% have to agree there and like the comments on social media is never a great place to be, but I did see one that struck out on one of the Stan Sport, um, videos. I think it was of the Ireland game or whatever, and someone said Andy Farrell four years ago he kept Sexton, he kept Aki, he kept O'Mahony, he kept all these lads. Eddie Jones only needed Cooper and Hooper and lads like that for a year, and he dropped them. And now you look at the flip side, O'Mahony was potentially man the match the last day sex than the same whereas when Australia needed leaders in this tournament they didn't have them and that's no disrespect to the Carter Gordons of this world or the Fraser McWrights of this world but they haven't been there done that they haven't got the experience yet with the experienced players around them to show them yeah. how it's done never mind to do it themselves Yeah, Carter Gordon sorry had what has played 40 games of professional rugby and won 10 of them he, yeah. he finished in a Super Rugby side that finished 11th out of 12. And just to put into context that when you get down to that level of, of Super Rugby, you're competing against Moana Pacifica, who, God love them, were not cut out to really compete, and uh, Western Force, who also not cut out com- to compete, and they finished below Western Force. So that that's the kind of pool that Eddie's chosen to draw from, so just as an example. Yeah, and just finally on a quick word, I'll come to you for this, Hugh. Georgia, Manny were expecting to at least battle out for for third or for second spot at, at the very least. They finished bottom with a, a solitary draw to get them to get them that. And their their head coach has resigned today as we speak. Pretty disappointing tournament for them considering 
they basically walked the Rugby Europe Championship for the last I don't know how many years. Yeah, massively disappointing. I wonder, it, it, we might need to be talking about it as a thing now because the last World Cup they didn't turn up either. There was a lot of hope and expectation maybe not to get out of the pool like it was this time, but they showed up in the first game against Wales and they looked like Wales were a cut above. Okay, Wales were at the time competing to be the number one team in the world in the standings at least. But Georgia didn't lay a glove on them in that game and it kind of not gone back to, to that in terms of the, the score line difference against Wales. And I do think Georgia were unlucky-ish, but they made their own luck against Australia when Niniash really breaks up pitch and then chucks the ball to an Australian. And thanks very much, mate. <laughs> they will be kicking themselves. They will be absolutely kicking themselves. They'll, they'll look back on each one of those games and there'll be players who'll be able to pick pinpoint a moment in those games and think, at that moment, I should have done this and I didn't and that will haunt them and you got you, the only thing that you can hope is that they they will take the learning from that they have evolved their game massively something that winds me up a little bit is on the tv where they go well the thing about Georgians is they got a great pack and a great scrum like come on guys they're, they're much more than that these days they're, they're a different team now and what they're doing with Black Lion, not only in Rugby Europe, but also competing in the Curry Cup and going around the world, they played Super Rugby America's teams, which is a great story. Uh, and now they're in the Challenge Cup as well. Georgia are still building. So you just got to hope that this is a dent to their pride, but not a, a halt to their progress. That's what Georgia have got to hope now. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you mentioned the this kind of trend, like 20... Uh, 2019, Paul is good to do the quick maths. They bet Uruguay quite convincingly, but as many people remember, that was Uruguay who just beaten Fiji five days previous and hadn't the same run in to that game at all. And, and it looked like it. So maybe there are question marks about Georgia and their ability to get up for these tournaments. We will talk about Wales and Fiji a bit more when we talk about the quarterfinals in, in, a, in a short while, but on to Pool D now, which was. I must say this was definitely the most enjoyable weekend of Pool D because England Samoa like England weren't playing. Oh no, they did. No, did they, they did play. <laughs> they no. did play. I've got to start. <laughs> yeah, they with were on that. the pitch against Samoa. They didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they scored a wonderful try. And to to his credit, Matt Dawson did say, if another team scored that opening try that England did, we'd have praised them. But because yeah. we knew what was going to come afterwards, we weren't as quick to praise them. And that's pretty fair because. It was it was poor after that, but just to give people the heads up, who didn't see it, England scraped past more. They were already qualified, but Sam and I get you to to take this pool. Even even at that, short of a place, not exactly a reassuring performance. My heart sank when I saw that I had to describe England at the moment because again, <laughs> yeah, because it, because I. I just don't understand. I don't understand what Borthwick is trying to do. I don't understand what what he is he is he is attempting to try other than get people on the pitch that he knows. Um I don't I don't understand it and I don't think many people do. Um and so it was really quite underwhelming to see them perform like they had previously. the 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 character that that we all thought England may have shaken off um, was back, you know, on parade. And you know, 
stalking around the pitch, like, you know, casting its shadow over everything and just making it really quite dull and uninspiring. And it's it's really it's really frustrating um, because, you know, I I thought maybe there was there was a way through this mire, but there seemingly is not. Um, the only positive from England's point of view is that Fiji seem to have lost their 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 way against Portugal and 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 you know maybe as has been touched on maybe there's a few positional elements to their 15 which maybe England can exploit with uh, a well-rounded Steve Borthwick sort of um tactical uh masterclass uh he says without really really believing in what he's saying um that I, I think it's I think it's um I think it's a really, really odd one. I was really pleased that that was the Samoa that turned up and and tried to play what it played. They should have won, and it's really it was really heartbreaking to see that final move uh, fall down and not quite come to fruition because this a little bit like Tonga, a little bit yeah, a little bit like Tonga. They're, they're a side who, again, if if they'd had a bit more time together and a bit more. Um, a bit more practice with with the sort of people that they have on their pitch you know they've got a very very good back row they've got a you know a very very you know industrious backline which which can fire and and can impress a lot of people you know you you wanted that they they haven't really shown it themselves somehow in this group the way that they would have wanted to and i was pleased to see that from that point of view um but england i don't know i haven't got a clue i don't i, I don't know they'll probably they'll probably beat Fiji by about 15 points and we'll all be going yeah this is weird I don't I, don't, I have no, I have no clue I there's part of me that wants England to get roundly beaten and sent home and told to you know go and work on something for a long time and come back when you're ready um but I, I still think that there's there's a weirdly prolonged process which is going to see them into the semi-final which is going to buy uh the RFU and uh and certain people at the RFU a bit of time, which is uh, which is most concerning. Yeah, that's just what you said, Sam, about the uh, about Samoa as well. Like a, their head coach same, came out after the game and said it was no surprise that the fourth game of the tournament, this is the type of performance they could put in. Yeah, because they well, just had that cohesion, had before. that time together. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and you mentioned it before. The, this is what we all, we we need these teams to have a run at it. And you're absolutely right. And it's no surprise to see Tonga playing well. You know, with a run at it. Yeah. You know, and and and. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we we, we keep on saying it. We keep on just, saying it. Just what I will say to the detriment of all the people who want to see England lose, which sounds like you're one of them, Sam. Um... No, I don't. I don't. I know I don't. <laughs> I genuinely, I'm invested in English rugby. I want to see England play really well and do as well as they possibly can. It would do my outlook and 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 the outlook of English rugby wonders to see them doing well. But but yeah. I don't. I I. I... <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how. I don't know how. Other than, other than, drop kick their way to a title. I haven't got a clue. As long as they don't run out of time. Um, oh, that's harsh. Wasn't that weird? But I will. Yeah. I will say this. I'm going to say something. I'm going to state a fact, which makes England look good. Um, they only change. conceded. They only conceded three tries in the whole full stage. They conceded yeah. two in this game and one against. Uh, Argentina, which was right at the death when the game was already done and they got two shutouts. They got a shutout against Japan which is no mean feat and obviously they had the game against Chile. So that's the kind of we like to talk about zombies, don't we? 
they, <laughs> it feels like a zombie march from England to a semi-final. Like they're, they're going to get there somehow or other. And surprisingly, Fiji have found it hard to come by tries so so far. They've only yeah. scored seven in the four games that they've played, which considering they got out of the pool is quite remarkable, really. Australia yeah. outscored them two to one in that one game. So that that's kind of the one thing that I would say England has shown that they can defend. You can talk about the centre of their opposition. But yeah, as to Sam's point, the team that England ended up with on the training pit on, on the pitch, with Farrell, Lawrence, Marchant, yeah. and then Smith at full back and May yeah. and um Stewart on the wing. I can get the logic of that, but that, that was plan B. Yeah. Plan A was with what four players playing out of position, yeah, and two two players in the back line that originally weren't in the World Cup squad and have suddenly overnight become first choice despite being yeah. dropped two months ago. Weird. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's a point that I don't know was it yourself who sent it on to me or who it was or is in my mentions or whatever, but like it's it England recently just fly in the face of what every other team has been doing when it comes yeah. to cohesion and just sticking to a plan. Like, I I'm, I don't want to pick on the guy because I think he's a wonderfully talented footballer. Marcus Smith is not defensively solid enough to be an international fullback. Like, he's no. the one who missed the tackle on the Samoan player in the 22 that caused him to break down the field and nearly win the game. And I understand that was a strength thing. He's a, he's a slight man. But that's the question, Marcus, you have to be asking. And on their defence, I still can't figure out whether their defence is solid because of Sinfield or in spite of Sinfield. Because they do have a lot of really lazy moments, as as you've pointed out yourself, you, where you wonder, like, well, no defence coach can fix that during the middle of a game. But then at the same time, they're not conceding a whole lot of tries. So you do have to question whether it's because of them or in spite of them that, that they're managing to do it. And I there was another game in this pool, so I do want to get onto that because... It's, yeah. it's been a really enjoyable. Yeah, it, um, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's that's on me. Sorry, I should have I should have worries. picked that up and, and gone. Yeah, I, I th- th- brilliant. You know, you you can't you you couldn't help but smile watching it and and enjoying it. You know, there there, there were two teams there who um who who really who really looked as though they were they were having a great time playing rugby and scoring. And Vakataba in particular yeah, with absolutely. the try of the year. <laughs> With fantastic Fiji's top try scorer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I think again, it comes back to the point that we've we've already made countless times. You know, you, you give, uh, you give these teams, um, Japan especially, again, just just an opportunity in which to to eat at the same table as some of these other clubs, uh, some of these other uh, teams, these international teams. They, 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 they're going to get better. They, it's good. It's it's going to improve things. It's not bloody brain surgery, is it? If you allow teams to play, it's like it's like when it's like when rugby players, you know, get get loaned out to a to a team and 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 play ten games in a row. At the mm-hmm. end of that ten games, they're they're really good, and you're like, oh, you're really good. Why is that? Because I've been playing, uh, and and in this team, I don't get a chance. I get ten minutes at the end of every game. I don't get a chance. This team, I get a run. I get I get to learn from every mistake. I get week on week benefits, development. I get a c- upward curve. I get all the things that you want as an individual. These teams are getting it, and, we, and it's not a surprise. It's it's genuinely not a surprise. I thought I thought Japan, 
Uh, I was so pleased to see it. I was so pleased to see them because, again, they're a side that have been on a little bit of a wane at the moment, and it was it was really really pleasing to you know to see to see that coming together and, and that working out really. Um, and Argentina, as I say, <laughs> I watched them going, and you know, uh, covering the Premiership, you know, you know all about Carreras out on the wing, and you're just like, oh God, yeah, I'm so glad he scored a hat trick. That's going to do his confidence the world of good. Uh, so you know, it's it's an interesting one. I, I it makes it from a neutral, purely neutral's point of view. I think it makes makes that uh, that that side of the draw a lot more interesting to see if, uh, an Argentina firing on on uh, more cylinders than they were, uh, and I think it'll be fascinating. Really, really good. It's promised me, and to to their credit, Argentina had shown nothing in nothing. attack since uh, not just this year alone. Even in the rugby championship, they were they were struggling yeah. with kind of makeshift backlines being a big reason. But in this game, they the Chocobaris the, the Chocobaris run. Sort of seemed to galvanise everything, didn't it? It seemed to sort of like say, uh, "This, this is the way." I am, I am going this way. Everyone, follow. And it was just like, everyone, oh, "Yeah, no, this is this is great." And it, uh, it was really good, really, really good. Again, it just it just feeds into. I'm 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 pleased. I'm pleased to see it because you know it was a bit strange watching Argentina versus England. They 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 seemed very very unwell. Uh, I'm pleased to see that they're uh, they're feeling better. Yeah, absolutely. That leaves us with Pool D. The the other teams that were in action was, of course, Chile in their first World Cup. They fortunately came out on the wrong side of quite a few bad results. But England top, that, they were assured of that. Argentina second, as he said. Samo- Sorry, Japan were third. Yeah, Japan, Apologies. Yeah, Japan Just had third. A yeah, yeah. Brain lapse there. Samoa fourth. And they those two played a really entertaining game as well, and it's kind of been Samoa the team of this. themselves, Samoa yeah, massively kicking themselves. They had the talent to get out of this pool. They did absolutely, and they had the game plan as well. If they stuck to it, they had the ability of. Yeah. We've seen it in the warm ups that when they balanced the kind of okay, we can play from everywhere with, let's maybe just put up a couple of contestables and squeeze the life out of opposition with McFarland and Fritz Lee oh. and lads like these who were just piss to play against. They just didn't find that balance, unfortunately, until the last game and the second half of that last game. But the oracle that yeah. is Lawrence Delalio said that Samoa should have been running it from their own 22 and offloading from minute one in every game. But it, um, it nearly came true, though. It nearly came true <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, well, Saturday the, the question for me is the whole Sapawanga Leofano thing. Oh, I was a hugely Leofano fan. They had Payao at fullback, and he's not a fullback, and you could tell that from his kick selection yeah. and some of the decision making. For me, I would have had Leila Fano at ten and Sopawanga at fullback. I think that was the best solution for the mm. players they had. But I assumed Sopawanga must have been injured because he wasn't even in the twenty-three for some of the games. Apparently, no, he just wasn't picked. I don't that get was it. Crazy. They were a better team of him, and even that warm-up against Ireland when Sopawanga came. I can't remember if Sop. What? No, he started that started. game, I believe. And he yeah. kicked the leather off the ball. He was um, he was putting snow on it and just, like, it was a really miserable night for anyone who watched it. And, like, it, it caused havoc. Yeah. And his his tactical kicking has been has been stellar. And it is it is a pity. As you said, it feels like they've let an opportunity Well, And also, by. yeah, feed into that, the fact that obviously they started a week later than everyone else. And they, they knew that everything was in front of them. They knew how poorly yeah. Argentina had, had performed. They, they, they knew it was all there for the taking and they didn't take it. They, you're right. When they look back on it, they must feel pretty, pretty sick. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pity, but that's just 
the way it is sometimes in World Cups, you do have to question, well, maybe having a four-game November slate isn't the worst thing in the world because maybe mm. that extra game could make a huge difference. But unfortunately, we know who really runs World Rugby and it's it's not the... Uh, it's not Bill Mo- Beaumont and Co. It's it's a couple of club chiefs more than Anthony, it, or so it feels like. Before we go, gentlemen, I I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but I do want to just quickly talk quarterfinals. Just a comment on each will do. Hugh, first game Wales against Argentina in Marseille. It's Gatlin against Cheka. It's your own nation. I've tipped them to get to a semi final before, so I might as well stick with it. Which way do you see it going? Who's coming out victorious? Wales are favourites. I agree with what Ender said yesterday, which was, I can see it being a 9-6, something like that. I can see it being a very cagey game. Wales have the capacity to switch off in rugby matches, and if they do, there's a guy in Carreras who can punish us. We should have enough, but... (laughs) Confident. This is the confident... If ever a silence spoke, that was a silence that spoke. (laughs) Confidence is not what we do with Wales. I can assure you, with five minutes to go, we will be two points ahead with two men in the sin bin. That is my only prediction that I'm willing to make. That, I feel like I've seen that before. Oh, no, wait, I have, kind of, <laughs> in the opening game. So you're saying, which, would they do it, though? Do you think? We're favourites. Okay. Call it. You haven't you haven't exactly won games because you've been favoured so far. So I don't know if that's I don't even know what to take from that. Um uh and uh firstly in a word, Wales or Argentina? Wales. Sam, in a word. Wales, Wales, Argentina will make a good account of themselves, but but Wales have uh Wales have done have done well to get this stage. I think I think they can make the semi. I think I think they're just they're just uh, to use a boxing, you know, metaphor, I, I, I think, I think they've, they've, they've got their, their, their punches. That they, they know what they're doing, and that they, I think they can put Argentina away. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm going to go Wales. I'm going to make it three and a half to a half. I think because we could really get an answer. <laughs> and uh, our own nation will hold its breath from now until 10 p.m. on Saturday because Ireland face New Zealand in the quarter final. It's not even about if we're going to win. It's can we and will we do it? Do you think? I think we will. I think we'll do it by five. Um, like there are so many talking points ahead of this game. You know, the famous review, like performance anxiety. We've talked about will Ireland can Ireland get past the world like at quarterfinals? I think we all know now. I think that they're a very mature team. We all hear about and read about the the atmosphere that our that Farrell has built in camp. Um, it's a lot less pressure. You know, people are expressing themselves, being themselves. I think it's a, the camp is in a really good spot. Um, you know, we've got Joe Schmidt versus Andy Farrell. Um, and look, Ireland have had one up against. Like we've won four of the last five games against uh, the All Blacks. So I think we should be. I think we are favourites, and I think we should be. Um, and let's you know, let's not forget that. Like New Zealand for me have been inconsistent this year. I know it was a warm up game, but let's not forget the hammering they received from uh, South Africa before this tournament. Um, and and for me, I think Sam touched on it earlier and he nailed it. For me, like we 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 were all talking about Ireland's attack versus you know South Africa's defense in that uh, Ireland South Africa game, and what we were all talking about afterwards was Ireland's defense, and that yeah. we that was reinforced uh, this past weekend. Like we all remember those eighteen phases that Scotland had, and Doris, like who was the top t- uh, tackler for Ireland, got in and stole that ball. So for me, 
defence and, and Ireland, we know they can score tries. I think Ireland will, should pip this one. Um, and look, uh, and today we've heard that most of those injuries were just scares. So it looks like we'll probably have a fit squad, which is brilliant to, to hear as well. Yeah. So hopefully. Ireland by five. Okay. Sam, you were uh, effusive in your praise earlier. Are you going to stand by it and, and say Ireland are yeah. getting to a first semi? I'm going to go, I'm going to go very, very specific. Uh, this will be Bundiaki's best game ever. And uh, it will be the difference. I don't think the New Zealand midfield can cope with what Ireland are going to throw at them. And uh, I think Ireland can cope with what New Zealand will throw at them. I don't think there are any surprises. I don't think Andy Farrell will be caught off guard. Yes, New Zealand are a particularly strong side. Uh, They've got a lot of um, skillful players, but there's nothing... There's nothing that I don't I don't think that um, will surprise Ireland. Uh, France beat New Zealand comfortably. I think Ireland will beat New Zealand comfortably. Okay, I like it. Hugh, which way are you going for this Saturday night showdown? I'm going to be different. Uh, before the World Cup, I was flip-flopping of who I thought was going to win it. I thought France, and then I thought the Springboks, and then I thought the All Blacks. And I'd made a promise to myself that I'm not changing my mind again. So, yes, you could talk about the game at Twickenham with the All Blacks. Cast your mind back to four games before that, the All Blacks blitzed the box. Uh, and the box were confident going into that game. The box thought, we're going to smash them here. And that didn't happen. You don't back against the All Blacks, in my experience. And I think they've had a word with themselves since that France game. But they were playing against lesser teams. Yes, of course they were. But they were playing pissed off. They were like, it's not good enough for us just to beat these. We're going to beat them. We're going to trample them. We're going to humiliate them. We're going to make them never want to play rugby again. And I think you don't... New Zealand only lose when you expect them to win, if that makes sense. And now everyone's expecting them to lose. I just can't bring myself to back against the All Blacks. If I'm wrong, hey, and I look forward to you all tweeting me and all the listeners tweeting me, telling me how wrong I was and how stupid I was and everything. But like I said, I'm sticking to my guns. I still think the All Blacks are going to win the title and I think they're going to score two tries in the first five minutes of this game and I'm going to be shell-shocked and they'll not make up the difference. That is eerily oh, and by the way, the comment that talk about your record about the All Blacks, Wales had a very similar record against the box in 2019. We'd won four of our last five or something like that. And then they beat us when it came to crunch time. Do you beat them down there, though? <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> Not point scoring, beat them but in like, America. that does count does that for count? something. We beat them no, America. well, we beat them in the America, so I suppose we're probably counting that. So, um, Actually, I don't think we're going back that far. But anyways, Sam, Sunday afternoon, England against Fiji and the picturesque Marseille. Personally, I hope that we don't get too much rain because no one wants to see this become any more cagey than it already will. How do you see it going? Um, How would I like to see it going as opposed to how do I see it going? I would like to see it going that Fiji come out and play some absolutely wonderful rugby and really ask England some very, very difficult questions and uh, move themselves one step closer to the 50 to one bet that I put on that they'd make the final. Uh, so I I would really like that to happen. What I think might happen is that England might just about get themselves together, 
Fiji might still be a little bit fragile, a little bit frazzled, a little bit all at sea as to exactly what happened against Portugal. And uh, England might move towards the semi-final. And my uh, my very small bet uh, will uh, evaporate into Betfair's profits. Fair enough. And uh, who's going to take this one in, in Marseille? My heart says Fiji. I want Fiji to win. But I think momentum is a real thing. And I think England are going to win this one, unfortunately. I think if, if I could just see them being put under so much pressure, English being absolutely fired up for it, uh, they're, the England are 100% going to stick to their game plan. They're going to execute it. And I don't, I, I, I'm not sure what Fiji are going to do. I just think England will just will have too much of them. Um, but look, it could, it could go either way, like absolutely. And I think every neutral all, all wants them, to see Fiji do well. Yeah, yeah, um, they're, all, England, they're all less just, than like I just see an England performance coming in here, three drop goals, yeah, and then they just defend <laughs> for the rest game. Um, Switch off your yeah. ITV now if you're a UK <laughs> listener to this podcast. Well, if Johnny Wilkinson makes love to a rugby ball, uh, yeah, exactly. Ugh, we don't need to go through that again, and I didn't even go through it once. Uh, Hugh, you're you're a staunch Fiji fan and yeah, non Premiership supporter, so who can take this? <laughs> I think that if both pirate rugby presents is back against Fiji, I think we'll lose half of our subscribers overnight. <laughs> so I think I think I've got to uh, I've got to stick with them. Um, the the hope, not the hope, the belief that Fiji can take is that everything that Samoa do good, Fiji can do better. Yes. So yes. the phys- physicality, however physical Samoa are, some um, Fiji can be more. However, good offloading running, Fiji can be more. So that's the hope. The question is, can the marauding zombie that is this England team just get somehow through this other game? Like I said, England aren't conceding tries. Okay, maybe they're not playing the most free-scoring opposition. But Fiji are struggling to score tries. I think if there's one man who can get Fiji's head screwed back on this week, it's Simon Rao-Louis. The way he's conducted himself recently is... um, Exceptional, yeah. Um, really given an, an example to a lot of other coaches around the world. And Fiji beat England last time they played, and that was in Twickenham. So Fiji have reason to believe it's it's one of those where it's a it's a bit like England just have these teams that they beat no matter what. And up until recently, it was Fiji, but no more. So I think Fiji are going to set up a glorious semi-final against France. Can I ask a question of Hugh and Ender? Yeah. Which backline, sorry, <laughs> which backline do England pick for you to think that they win? It's either Farrell at 10 or Farrell not in the team at all. Yeah, I put Farrell at 10. Yeah, 100% I would as well. At 10, yeah. yeah, that's, 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 that's um, my thinking as well. And... If, they go, if they go 10, 12, do, 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 do you start to Get excited too much confusion Fiji. or something, isn't there? It takes yeah. away everything that is good about George Ford. Yeah, having Farrell behind him, he's the impact yeah. player you want, in my opinion. Start Farrell, and then if they're chasing a gambling one, yeah. for to to speed up the the pace and yeah. whatnot. But, yeah, and and, pick, and pick right potentially, options. you know, knock over a, a crucial knock drop goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Agree with you. There's there's the element of that as well as as Ender touched on it, like. To, to make it relate, relate to, uh, to bring it back kind of to Ireland, 
when Ireland have Conor Murray on the bench, you have someone who's just waiting in the wings, picks the right passes, very rarely makes mistakes off the bench. He's read the game for an hour by the time he comes on. There is nothing wrong with England doing that with George Ford. No. With the lad with his experience, with his rugby brain. Like, what's to say he couldn't come on? Absolutely. And put up a chip over the top and England score off. Yeah, he's a different package for Factor Farrell. This is what I don't understand. He's a brilliant, like, foil. Brilliant foil to it. Uh, But we'll see. If they go 10-12 again, I I don't know. It's it's weird. Just what Ireland have got with that 9-10, with the selection point of view, they've either got Leinster teammates and Gibson Park and Sexton, or they've got players who have played forever with each other in Murray and Sexton, or they've got other club teammates, which is Murray and Crowley. It's a selector's dream. You can't make a bad decision there. I'm surprised you didn't put in a best league comment there, but listen, it's fine. There's going to be enough of those on your own podcast over the course of the season and my own. Finally, Sunday nights in France, they they know how to do it in the top 14 with Sunday night showdowns. It's the hosts against the reigning champions in Paris. I mean, this this could be a final um, or this could be a friendly of all friendlies with C teams and we'd still enjoy this one. I think it's going to be an epic. DuPont is back. He's back in training. So that means he's going to play. It feels like I I've, I have it in my head that he plays this game and they say, oh, he's going to go for surgery and we don't see him for Toulouse this season. He ends up going off playing the sevens. Um, come December, I think is is when that starts. I can see that happening. I think I've said South Africa are going to do this, and I feel like they will because it's probably got a better time. In the best league. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I feel like in some ways it's a it's not the best time to play France. I feel like the best time to play France is the final because there will be pressure that they can't avoid. They won't have that for a quarterfinal, but. No one is talking about South Africa. Well, not yet. Mm. Not until Razzie does something strange or peculiar. But I might as well stick to my guns like um, you have already with different predictions. I'm going to say South Africa. Sam, who's taken this showdown? Yeah, no, you can't draw it out of me. Uh, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it, it really will. It really will depend on on the chaos of a game of rugby. Um as I said before, there are so many different ways of looking at this game. There are so many different facets for this game. I just, I just can't see it. I think it is going to be. It is, it is the closest of all four matches. It is the yeah. closest one, um, and and I, I, I cannot see it other coming down to something. My hope is it comes down to a moment of skill. It's a cliche. It comes down to a moment of skill rather than a mistake. But it could come down to a mistake, and you know. It will be it will be heart crushingly sad for whoever uh, ends up making that mistake. Can't call it, I'm afraid. I can't. I can't. You, you t- today, France, an hour or so. I'll say South Africa. It. Li- I'm not being flippant. It literally is that. That's. I feel like we're all going to go that way. To be fair, Hugh, who's who's taking it? The box are good. I think. The box get a lot of disrespect about the way that they play. I think they're an excellent team, and I think they've got excellent players all over the park. But it's France at home. Mm-hmm. It's it, it is their home World Cup, and I, as much as anyone, was gutted when Intermac went out, and now um, Jalibert 
to the way he's played in the last two games against walkover opposition. But the freedom, the body language yeah. that comes from France is so relaxed and so taking joy in what they're doing. It's it's really it's hard to back against. But the the like I say, the Springboks are an excellent team with an excellent coach, and they know what they're doing, and this is what they do. I said France a second ago, didn't I? Because I said Fiji were going to play against France. So yeah. that must be what my that must be what I think is going to happen. Despite um, the Springboks being of the best league, lovely, <laughs> I love it. And uh, to round it out, who's taking the fourth and final quarterfinal? France, just about. Uh, I'll probably change my mind tomorrow. Honestly, um, I think the box have a massive call to make it ten. Um, if they can slot their kicks, I think they're in a really good shot. Um, but yeah, France are just buzzing. They're just, and it's a home quarter final. And Dupont's back. He's 100% going to start, I think, like 100%. Who knows what he'll have on his head or on his face, but he'll be playing. Um, so yeah, I think France, barely. But it should be an absolute cracking game. To make Sam's bet come true, France to get through, but to be absolutely dead on their feet by the time they play the semi-final against Fiji and Fiji uh, playing against a wet paper bag and they get yeah. to the final. It's, yeah, ha- it's happened in World Cups gone by that yeah. teams have played an incredible quarterfinal take yeah. New Zealand 2019 yeah. and hadn't had the left in the tank. What is, uh, what is, what is 50 times £10,000? What is that? I, that's what I'm looking to make. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for a different a different podcast unfortunately. <laughs> I had it's it's too late and even. But gents, <laughs> thank you so so much for this. It has been comprehensive. It has been everything that you could have expected for for looking back at the pool stages. Been good fun first, but which is the main thing. So thank you so so much for joining me, Sam Roberts and Vi and Hugh Griffin. I'll be back later on the week with preview and recap pods of the quarterfinal action. And as always, thanks so much to everyone for listening. As you may have heard uh, Sam allude to, I have started a new podcast. There'll be uh, a link to that in the description because I do not have a a hype speech ready for it as much as anything else. But if you like what you see here, please do subscribe here and there and to the Pirate Rugby Podcast, to the Rugby Inheritance Podcast, to the, is it Scarlet's? Fever podcast you go by now? Scarlet's Fever, yeah. Scarlet's Fever as well, ahead of the the URC return and everything in between. I will have the links for as many of these as I remember down below. And if not, you can always DM me on Twitter or hit up the lads. What up for now and until next time, take it easy. If you're an Irish fan, let's just hope this week does not drag. Slán lát. Sports Social Podcast Network.